This is Connor. And this is Paul. And welcome to Silver Screamers! Your genre jumping, decade hopping from the 80s to the 90s to 2019 film podcast. That's right! That's it! Woo! Every year, myself and Paul commit ourselves to watching all the movies which are nominated for best best movie. And in previous years, we were crap and we didn't ever get it done. But then last year, for the first time ever, we did get it done and we watched all the movies. And then this year, we are nearly there. We just have one more to watch, which is Vice. Yeah, we yeah we've done really well. Actually, we actually watched most of them ages ago, so we're well on time. So. I I I think it's the most open it's ever been for best picture. I my I would love the favorite to win, but I I can't see it winning. Yeah, and we saw the the most recent one we saw Bohemian Rhapsody just on Saturday and I actually really loved it. I think I liked it more than I expected. I'd heard so many kind of mixed reviews that I thought it was going to be meh, but I really liked it. I'd be happy to see it win, but I don't see it's going to I don't think it'll win. I think there's a bit of controversy with Brian Singer so I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I quite like the Green Book. I thought that was very good. I don't. I know. I think you were a bit kind of bored with it or something. I don't know. You didn't really appreciate it. Uh, favorite was good. I liked the favorite, but I don't know if it was an Oscar winner. I thought Black Klansman was good, uh, but again, I didn't think it was much of an Oscar winner. Maybe Vice. Maybe Vice will be the one <laughs> if we ever get around to watching it. Bohemian Rhapsody. I enjoyed it, but. Uh, it was a bit fluffy. It was fluffy. <laughs> Poor Freddy. <laughs> Dying of AIDS. <laughs> they might have been a bit of a fluffer, I know. No, if, if, really, you thought it was fluffy. There was a really funny moment in Bohemian Rhapsody that we haven't spoken about since that um, we totally disagreed on what was happening in a scene. And I want to I wanna see, do you still think that, right? There's the scene where... It's not a spoiler alert at all, and it's a true story, so you can't have spoilers for a true story. Freddie Mercury meets his, who is kind of the love of his life, the the woman that he, you know, he it never worked out on with because he's gay, and she has a new boy, husband, and I think she's pregnant, and he meets him for the first time, and they have like this quiet moment, a split second, and then he says, husband comes over and he looks at Freddie and he goes, oh, it's such a lovely honor to meet you. And then he kind of stops and he's just like staring at him. And Freddie says to him, oh, it's a pleasure to meet you. And then the camera goes to her and she's kind of looking at her husband and then looking at Freddie going, have I done it again? Have I got another gay guy in my life? Are these guys screwing? What's going on here? So you stand by that, even having seen the end of the film. Yes, I do. Okay, okay. That, that is so... Uh, this, what has happened in that scene? And it, it's not even subtext. It's text. Is it, it hasn't worked out between... Is it Mary? Is her name Mary? She's a real person, so I feel I should get her name right. Between, it hasn't worked out between the two of them. And she's moved on. But they still have this unique chemistry. And she is there. And... Uh, she, they have this, and then he, she's moved on, and he hasn't quite moved on. He's he's about to move on with his new man, and your man, the the boyfriend, is just in awe of Freddie Mercury, who at that point was like the most famous person, probably in the world, 
and he's just starstruck and that's why he's in awe of freddy and freddy's not looking at him like that freddy's looking at him as you've stolen not stolen but you know you're the you have the person i want and, and that is absolutely what that scene was about <laughs> well i don't think so i think there is a bit of uh sexual chemistry there and i think regardless of what it actually was because they were kind of saying hello in a very friendly way and the husband was in awe of freddie just for a second i think it just crossed her mind maybe 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 you know there's a bit of something something going on there no no that was her ex and her current boyfriend meeting each other which is always going to be awkward and that's what that was <laughs> anyway uh but um i think he's gonna win best actor i think he deserve it and actually did we look up did, did we see was he actually singing those songs it was they did a peculiar thing they they mixed he did sing a lot of the vocals are his and they seem to splice it with freddie mercury's voice and also with uh, some other kind of vocal person who who was able to kind of knot them together because I think a lot of the performances weren't they weren't just album recordings they were like you know him just jamming on the piano and stuff so they couldn't just use Freddie Mercury I, th- I think that's what happened anyway yeah I mean I thought like it w- if it was him it would have been astonishing because he was incredible. incredible yeah and to be honest I didn't know a huge amount about Freddie Mercury um before watching this film well, I knew a bit about him but not a lot about his uh, mannerisms and his way of talking and how he held himself and that kind of stuff and I thought Remy Malik might have been doing it a bit OTT but actually if you look at interviews with him he had his uh, voice down he had his accent down he had his cadence down uh, it was just incredible very very good yeah it was it was wonderful performance and uh, I, I when I watched the film about halfway through I kind of realized why haven't I been more excited about this? I'm, I'm a big fan of. Well, I wouldn't say I'm a massive fan of Queen, but I would be a fan. I actually, I don't know if you know this. I did a radio show when I was in college, on the college radio station, called the Rise and Rise of. Um, it was been an hour. It was an hour long show where I picked a band or a singer, and I would spend uh, the hour going through the biography of this musician, um, and I would play songs every few minutes kind of in order of you know how they released and i told the story of did you know that i think you told me that before yeah but i did queen one uh one episode and i that was kind of when i i i had been a fan of all the songs that you i mean they had so many hits i mean every song that they sing was was that that was on that film was like a, a household name song uh but i didn't know that much about the band and you know anything about freddie mercury really until i did that show and I kind of got more into them then. But when the film came out, I think just because the reviews weren't great, the the power of reviews, really, uh, the reviews weren't great. So I just kind of went, oh, no. But um, it ended up winning the Best Picture. I think it won Best Picture at the Golden Globes, um, which bears good for it um, in Oscar season. Though there's been so much controversy with the director, Brian Singer, that might hold it back. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think he's going to win Best uh, Picture. Uh, sorry, Best Best Actor. Just... Just looking at the other nominees for Best Picture, though. Bohemian Rhapsody, I think, has a good chance. Black Panther, that would be a lovely... I thought that was great. You were kind of lukewarm with it. I think it would be a... Ni- I don't think it's going to win, but it would be a lovely... It would be lovely for Black Panther to win Best Picture. Oh, I loved Black Panther. I thought it was really, really good. And just looking at it there now, definitely probably was the most exciting one of them. 
Star is Born, obviously very good. Uh, Favourite, really good. Black Landsman, okay. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody, very good. Green Book, I enjoyed it. You weren't too keen on advice we haven't seen. Roma, oh my god, so boring. Nothing happens the entire movie. It's shot very nice in black and white for some reason. And that's about it. This woman is a maid in this house and then nothing happens and that's about it it's lovely it's it's not exciting but it's a lovely film and it's a nice way to spend a nice rainy evening even at the climax right where well something happens at the end which is meant to be like a big dramatic climax scene and it's it (laughs) it's just not it's just like something happens your one goes over she stops it from happening and then everything's grand and it's like it's not i suppose it's good in insofar as it's not dramatized to a huge extent but the lack of drama kind of makes it boring are you talking about the scene at the beach yes okay i disagree but i can't go into it without spoiling it so we'll we'll, we'll say that for our roma episode <laughs> Connor's looking at dread. Jesus, we have to watch Roma again. Um, I think, okay, I'm going to call it, I'm just going to look at them there, that Bohemian Rhapsody is going to win Best Picture. Uh, Based on those, ooh, I don't know, maybe, maybe Roma, just because it's gotten a lot of buzz and a lot of hype. I can't see the other ones winning, to be honest. Maybe Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay, Best Actor. Um, Bradley Cooper, Star is Born, Rami Malek, Christine Bale for Vice, Viggo Mortensen for Green Book, and William Defoe. I haven't seen Eternity's Gate, William Defoe, and we haven't seen Vice yet. But there's not that much buzz about William Defoe, really. So I think it's Rami Malek's. I think it'll be weird if he didn't win it. I think, well, I've heard Christian Bale is really good in Vice uh, as Dick Cheney. Um, but just from what I've seen of Remy Malik and Bohemian Rhapsody, I think it would be a crime if he didn't get it. And Christian Bale won the Oscar a few years ago for that the the boxing film. Was it called the boxer? The fighter. The fighter. Yeah. So you know he has his Oscar. He's he's grand. Um, best actors. I would love. I would love Olivia Colman to win for the favorite. I thought she was spectacular in it. But I think this is Glenn's year. Glenn Close. I think. Uh, it's definitely a two horse race it's, it's, I don't think Lady Gaga is going to win definitely not Melissa McCarthy and I'm going to try and get this right Yalitza um, Aparicio Yalitza Aparicio is that right? <coughs> something like that that's the one from Roma who in fairness has never acted before and she was really good since she had never acted before she was very very natural on screen um, I just hate that movie <laughs> um I wish I hope Glenn Close gets it because she's been screaming out for an Oscar for a while now. Can you imagine? Okay, so we have two actresses here, Lady Gaga and Yalitza, and this is their first film. Their first film. Can you imagine poor Glenn if they win best best actress and yeah. I haven't we haven't seen The Wife. We must I'd like to, I'd like to see that before the twenty fifth. Um I think Olivia Cole, well, what I've heard is Glenn Close is kind of at a seven. She never has any kind of big Oscar moment in The Wife, uh, while Olivia has 
multiple. But what might go against Olivia, well, first of all, I don't, this is her first big starring role in an international film. Uh, though she has had plenty of roles, so it's not like it's her first thing. But what might go against her is that film is, she's not really the lead. I would say she's equal with Rachel Weisz and Emma Stone. And her character in The Favourite doesn't really have an arc. And I think that kind of is important. The Oscars like to see your, you take your character on a journey. Well, her character, it, it's more the characters around her that have the journey. And I think that might go against her. I think she does have an arc. I think it only gets completed in the last two minutes of the movie uh, where she realises that um, she's chosen the favourite who uh, the favourite that she ends up with is the incorrect favourite and that she's made a big big mistake um, okay cool okay well okay so we'll just we won't go into every single Oscar but so we didn't actually call so we're both saying Glenn well I don't know I haven't seen that movie so I can't really say I wanted to be Olivia because I love Olivia if you ever watch on Graham Norton she's hilarious uh, Melissa McCarthy no Lady Gaga I hope not uh, Yelitsa Aparizio she was very good but I hope not just because it's just her first movie and you know there's some really good actresses up there so yeah maybe Glenn or Olivia do you know who should be there is Tony Collette for Hereditary I think I, and if she was there I would say that was she would have deserved the Oscar I thought that in performance in Hereditary it was like spine chilling it was amazing and it's a crazy that she's not even nominated they don't tend to nominate uh horror movies really do they um i thought her her performance was really really good to a point and then and i think it was just i don't know what it was just at the end of hereditary i felt the acting became less believable and i think there was some improvisation going on which i didn't think worked but overall, I thought it was a very, very good performance. I, I totally disagree. I thought she was incredible the whole way through. There's a scene. I won't. There's you can't really talk about that film without spoiling spoiling it. But there's a scene where she's crying, and there's a scene at the dinner, and those two scenes alone were just incredible. So, and like yeah, Yalitza, she was very good, but. She had nothing in the same ballpark as that. I actually thought Lady Gaga was really good in A Star Is Born. I thought she was excellent, but I don't think she was doing anything groundbreaking. And Melissa McCarthy was charming and was fine, <laughs> but it wasn't. You know, I don't. I don't think she didn't reach the depths that Tony Collette re- reached in. In hereditary so yeah it's crazy that those three are there yeah i think melissa mccarthy played a slightly less ott version of the character that she tends to play in a lot of her movies yeah that's fair she had lots of melissa mccarthy isms we haven't seen the wife so i don't want to talk too much about it like in a negative way but one thing that strikes me is the wife hasn't been a big part of the Oscar conversation this year like the favourite everyone's talking about the favourite even A Star Is Born is nominated for lots even Can You Ever Forgive Me because um, uh, my mind's gone blank uh, Richard E. Grant he's nominated as well as Melissa uh, Roma's nominated for Best Picture There's a, all these films are all being nominated the only nomination for the wife is for Glenn Close and then the fact that I've heard that it she only kind of remains at a seven. She never quite reaches those heights that, that some of the other performances get. 
I would hate to think that Glenn Close would just get the Oscar because they're like, ah, well, she's paid her dues and, you know, it's about time she gets an Oscar. Really, Glenn Close deserves an Oscar for an amazing performance. And, you know, the Oscar should be about the film rather than just collective merit. You know, give her a Lifetime Achievement Award then. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it's a lot of politics really and canvassing and, you know, because it's voted on by peers essentially and because she's worked extensively with those peers over decades i suppose and the likes of yelitsa <laughs> hasn't <laughs> uh i think she's a better shoe in for the oscar the only thing is that lady gaga is probably very popular and probably well connected well lady gaga is absolutely going to win best song like I would say it would be if she doesn't win best song it would be a snub on her so the fact that she's going home that night with an Oscar you could almost guarantee that well they'll be like well we gave her that Oscar you know she doesn't you know let's give Glenn this one I think that's fair and I think she deserves that and actually I came across a rumba remix of <laughs> Shallow which I can't stop listening to because it's really good and then I'm like thinking about dancing to this uh this amazing rumba to this this song oh, you know how i love a rumba remix <laughs> uh you came in from your exercise today you were cha cha all over the, the all over the place here it's been, it's been five and a half years i've been trying to get you to dance and then you find one song and you're like oh okay fine you can wiggle me hips <laughs> uh yeah 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 sure um okay so will we uh will we move on to <laughs> what's that film <laughs> escape Yes, apologies for this. Uh, no, don't apologize. I really liked it. You you were disappointed. I thought it was shite. You thought it was shite. Oh, this is going to be an argument episode. Um, you thought it was shite. I thought it was Carpenter-esque. Carpenter-esque as you can get, which is why I really, really enjoyed it. Well, Halloween, obviously amazing. I think he's he's very hit and miss Carpenter, and I I, pfft, I just yeah I thought it was a bit shit to be honest. Nothing you know I just yeah wasn't wasn't too keen on it. Which is interesting that you loved it and it was my choice. Loved is a strong word. I thought it was very entertaining. Um yeah very very entertaining. Will we before we go into the the nuances? Will we give a little recap? I think it's my week to do the recap. So we're doing this thing where we do this recap in two minutes and 40 seconds and Paul did it off the cuff last week. I don't work that way. And I did a little, I wrote down my thoughts and I wrote down a little bit of, bit of stuff about it, but I'm going to try and do it without it and then I can refer to these if I need to. Oh, I'm so nervous. <laughs> also, this week we have wine, which we haven't drank before when doing this podcast. So woohoo to that. Yeah, and a Monday night. On a Monday night, work night. And the year is set way in the future in 1997 and Manhattan has become a top security prison, the island of Manhattan. So anybody gets convicted of uh, crime, crimes increased like 400% in the last couple of years, goes in there, can't come out, they're killed if they try to. We're introduced to this character called Snake who's mysterious and cool and wears an eye patch and kind of talks like that. And he's been put into that prison for some reason, but we don't know quite at the start. Then uh, the 
president uh, is uh, on a trip to Moscow, I think, where he's trying to avert nuclear war and he has this tape which is going to avert nuclear war, but Air Force One is shot down and he lands on the island of Manhattan, the president. He escapes through a pod, but he's captured by these uh, gangs. So then... Uh, the chief of police gets Snake and he goes, hey, you're pretty cool. You've got lots of stuff to do. You, you, you were in war and stuff. You go in and you get the president and then we'll pardon you for all your crimes and you can be free and it'd be great. Uh, so Snake goes, oh, I don't know about that. And then he says, oh, right, yeah, okay, that's a good deal. So then uh, they inject him with uh, explosives into his neck and then he, he, if he doesn't come back out in 22 hours, he's going to blow up. So he goes in anyway. He flies a glider in, lands on the Twin Towers, 97, so they're still there. Um... And he goes down and he tries to find the president on this tracker device thing that he has, but the president is not there because they switched it and put it on this other guy. He starts getting attacked by all these crazy sewer urchin gangster things, uh, but escapes. He's picked up, he goes into a movie theater, he, makes, he meets up with this guy called the cabbie who recognizes him. Everyone in this movie recognizes Snake for some reason. The cabbie says, hey, hey, the Duke, who's a really tough gangster, he has uh, the president, so I'm going to bring you to the Brain, who's a strategist who'll be able to, he works for the Duke, he'll be able to bring you, he'll be able to get it, he'll be great. So he goes to the, the Brain and goes, hey, you killed my, my friend before. And the brain goes, oh, hey, don't kill me. I'll bring you to the Duke and we can get the president. So they go and uh, they go and they try and uh, they get a car from the Duke's posse. They go to the train station where they get the president. They get the president out, but then they're captured. And uh, then the brain says, oh, hey, he, he made me do it. He put a gun to my head. Uh, we shouldn't kill him or the president because they're really important. So the Duke goes, mm, OK. And I've only got 30 seconds. So then, uh, so then what happens? So then, oh, he's put in a ring with a wrestler and the wrestler tries to kill him, but he kills the wrestler. The brain goes and gets the president. Uh, they go to the Twin Towers to get the glider, but the glider's been destroyed. So the cabbie comes along, picks him up. The, he gets killed. And then they get a new car. They go across the bridge. But the bridge is full of mines. So they have to get out and run. The brain gets killed. Uh, the, a woman who's with them tries to kill the Duke. Uh, your man and the president, Snake and the president go, they get up the wall, and then that's about the end of the movie, and then they stop the, uh, the Snake from being blown up, and that's about it. Uh, they have the tape to save the world from nuclear disaster, but uh, Snake has swapped it, and it just plays a lot of music, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did okay. You did very well. It's harder than it looks. It's harder than you think it's going to be. I made it look easy. It didn't your hold. You were like... Can I just say, you criticized me for like spending the first minute talking about the first 10 seconds and then like uh, rushing to the rest you did the exact same thing but that's fine because that's that's what you need to do you, you need to, to build it up before you can set off yeah i realized that when i was talking about it and i was like uh shit i'm doing that thing that paul did last week <laughs> but you have to you have to you have to Get all your toys in a row before you can play with them. Um, I One of the reasons I was comfortable talking about the Oscars for so long at the start of this episode is I don't think this is going to be... I don't think this is going to be a very long episode because not a lot actually happens in this film of any consequence. I think I pretty much told the entire story and that's about it. I think that's... I think we could just... Did you like it? No, I liked it. <laughs> I think, And that's it. See you again next week. 26 minutes. Boom. <laughs> but the thing is, those things that... Well, I suppose that's it. There's not much to analyze. <laughs> <laughs> because I... I thought this game... Well, uh, my initial thought was this is kind of like a video game film. I, I even said it was this game. Didn't I even said that? I thought this game... Because it's a film, obviously... But it had the same structure as a video game, as in we have 
a situation where someone needs to be rescued. We have a badass guy. He goes to this place full of bad guys that have no personalities that he can kill without guilt. And he has a number of obstacles and he just overcomes them. That is essentially the film. But that's fine because the film knows the type of film it is. It has no. It doesn't try to be smarter than it is. Uh, it just it 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 plays through. It hits every beat, and I thought it was I thought it was really enjoyable. I, I thought it was great. I would I I really enjoy. I I watched it two weeks ago and I I watched the first half tonight and I would watch the second half like tomorrow. I thought it knew what it was going to be. It, it knew what it wanted to be. It went, as you said, it went through the story. I just didn't find it very exciting, to be honest. I didn't find the stakes particularly high. I kind of knew what was going to happen straight away. I didn't think the the evil guys, except for the one guy who played Romero, who was the crazy guy with the hair, who I thought was very, very good. Very good actor. Best act- thing about the movie. Best thing about the... I, I thought he was wonderful. I wouldn't say he was the best thing about the film. I thought he was the best thing about the film. He was the the bad guy with the most character. Even the Duke, the guy who played the Duke, had no personality whatsoever. Bland AF. The brain was good. The guy who played the brain. And I thought Kurt Russell did a decent job in uh, as playing Snake. <clears throat> Funny enough, Kurt Russell was on Gray Norton a couple of weeks ago talking and they mentioned Escape from New York. And apparently in one of the scenes, uh, he has to run around a corner and he encounters this big mob um, but anyway, he ran around the corner and there was actually people coming around the corner um, who weren't part of the movie. They were just like passing, uh, you know, bystanders or whatever. Was it, was it not on a set? I don't think they had enough money for a set. I, it looks so like a set. It was hardly shot on location. I think some parts were apparently. Okay. And... Uh, they came around the corner anyway and he just stopped and he looked at them and they looked back at him and he said they were big guys and they just went easy man easy and backed off i don't know if that's just the story he tells i thought he did a good job uh nice to see donald pleasance i thought <laughs> was he <laughs> right uh he was the uh president who was in halloween oh yes he was the psychologist in halloween yeah uh, john carpenter We'll talk about him in a bit. I think he recycles a lot of his actors, which I like. Uh, he did he? I, yeah, no. I actually thought initially I was like, oh, this was inspired by video games, but actually it's probably the opposite. Like when I was a kid, I used to play Streets of Rage, and this film reminded me so much of Streets of Rage. But this is you know ten, maybe even yeah, ten about ten years before Streets of Rage. So I I definitely think this inspired that type of thing, and I thought from a from a production point of view, I thought this was a gorgeous film. I thought it looked amazing. Really? It looked amazing? I thought the CGI was awful, oh, but I mean, it's oh, 1981. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Leave it alone. But I didn't think it looked amazing. I didn't think there was much to look at, to be honest. I didn't think there, like the streets were, the, apparently some bits were on location, according to Kurt Russell, but they looked very fake. Um, stylized like the like when when he lands on the top of the uh, first of all the way it's lit was it was beautifully lit uh there was lots of green lights and and (laughs) 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 green lights just put a green light in the film and paul is sold (laughs) 
<laughs> it was stylistically it was, it had a, it had a very um satisfying kind of appearance i felt i felt it, you know in terms of it just the, the from the computer screens from the costume design from the the the, the everything the aesthetics of the film was was wonderful i thought and i thought the cgi was fine the only thing i thought was a bit rough was when the when the plane fell down i thought the rest of it aged quite well actually i oh, know the helicopter flying in at the start is okay, awful okay. no in fairness now i have to agree i thought the the costume was great um i thought you did get a sense of this sort of uh horrible dystopian place where there's lots of uh horrible people running around the place killing each other um no law no order um chaos essentially um i got that to a certain extent but when you say beautiful i don't think so well beautiful like not pretty but i thought it looked also i thought it looked great i thought it looked as good as it could have looked yeah i, I thought i actually think the soundtrack was and the production values and kurt russell was was just great at being like you know it wasn't the performance of the, the year or anything but uh, he he played the role of Snake as the way it should have been played, and he was very charismatic as a leading man. He was an anti-hero, but he, you never hated him. And I thought those all married together very well. And I yeah, I just thought it was an enjoyable ride. It was fun. Did you not get the Did you not think that Kurt Russell, to a certain extent, was a bit OTT, like he was kind of overacting it because he was very. My name's Snake. I'm so kickass. Yeah, that was, that was cute. I liked it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I I always thought Kurt Russell, because I, I, I hadn't really seen that many films of his uh, growing up. So, and I used to get him mixed up with Jeff Bridges. And I always would have said Kurt Russell was the poor man's Jeff Bridges. But I've seen quite a few films of his recently and I've, I've, got, I've, I've come three, six, I, I, no, one eight, I don't know. I've changed my mind. <laughs> Which is it? Is it one eighty or three sixty? Three sixty is back where you started, so it's one eighty. Yeah, I've done a one eighty. One eighty. <laughs> I've come three sixty. I liked him, and then I said, "No, I don't." And I've come one eighty. I saw him in uh, that Tarantino film, uh, the Hate Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight. Yeah, it's on Netflix. I haven't actually watched it yet. Yeah, he was excellent. Oh, he was so good in it. And I saw him in, and he was great in Guardians. He was, he was, he was, he was brilliant in Guardians. He he fit that so well. And um, and now I think he's wonderful. I think he's a great actor. And I'm, I actually was half thinking I might go look at some of his back catalogue because no, and he was great as Snake. He wasn't. He was over the top. But can you imagine this film? Can you just imagine it with Arnold Schwarzenegger, who would have absolutely been a candidate for this role? I'd love that. Love Arnie. <laughs> My name is Snake. It would have been such. It would have been a different film, and it would have been more boring, and it would have been. The, the Kurt Russell brought something more grounded, more s- kind of sneaky to the role of Snake. He wasn't just this muscle Mary like punching people through walls. And I thought, no, I thought he was. I I would hate. I, I, I don't know if I would have enjoyed it. I, I suppose I would have to a certain extent, but it would have been a cheaper film and a totally different film with Arnold Schwarzenegger. There would have still been green lights, though. That would have been... <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> Kurt Russell was kind of big in the 80s and 
yeah, sort of the nineties as well. But then he kind of went away for a while, didn't he? And then he, he now like since Guardians, I think maybe 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 there's other movies that I just haven't seen with him in it. But maybe since Guardians, he's kind of back on the scene a bit. Yeah, I I, I honestly I I'm trying to think. Have I I've seen Overboard with, with Goldie Hawn, and I've seen this obviously, and I've seen and I saw the I saw. So when you suggested Escape from New York, I actually thought I had seen it as a child, but I I, I think I had seen the sequel, which you have since you have watched recently enough, and I know by your face you didn't enjoy it. And that's Escape from L.A. And I think that's uh, I think maybe that's why I didn't like Kurt Russell because that's not great, is it? Uh, no, this is definitely way better than Escape from L.A. Escape from L.A. is pretty awful. Um, Steve Buscemi is in it though, interestingly. Buscemi is the image. I actually thought the the minion of the Duke was Steve Buscemi. He looks a bit like him. The Romero guy with the crazy hair. Yeah, he has the same kind of crazy eyes as um, Steve Buscemi. Well, I think B- Steve Buscemi has uh, naturally crazy eyes, whereas this guy kind of just widened his eyes. I think a bit. Yeah. Um, tell us a bit. It's not good. No, it's not. It's the same story essentially. He he has to go into L.A. to save the president's daughter. Um, the president's daughter has there's a, there's a there's a there's a gang in in there, and she's an advocate for them, and she goes and joins them, and he has to go in and get her. But they affect him with a virus this time, not like explosives. <laughs> and yeah, he meets Steve Buscemi. They go on a bit of a thing. He turns out to be bad, and then. He saves the president's daughter. I mean, it's the same it's fucking it's thing. Re- it's almost a remake. You know, with like, the thing is, the details in this film are inconsequential. And now, just let me just off the top of my head, let me just name, name the things that don't matter. Right? It doesn't really matter why the president needs to be rescued in twenty four hours. There's this there's this war with Russia, and he has some tape that's hilarious. A tape that's important. That's so funny. Um, that right, okay, that doesn't really matter. That's just mumbo jumbo reason why the president needs to be back. Yeah, do you agree with that? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay, that's the first thing that doesn't matter. Second thing that doesn't matter is what um, what crime he has done. That doesn't really matter. He has a backstory. That means he's a bad guy that is famous. You don't actually find out a lot about his backstory. I think. Did you find out what his crime was? You kind of know that he's a war veteran, but then went a bit rogue, and then you don't really figure out a lot about him. They just say he's Snake, so <laughs> he's bad. Snake Pliskin, yeah. and everybody. Literally everybody in the movie that meets him knows him. So he's got this infamy about him, but you don't exactly know why. Did he rob a bank? Did that was that some dialogue that maybe? I just, but you know what, Connor? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. All you have to know is he's infamous, right? So we have president needs to be out in twenty four hours. Uh, Snake is a bad guy uh, of some sort but you know not, he's, he's not a monster you know, he's just he's, he's rough around the edges okay that doesn't matter um, and then um, what else doesn't matter uh, oh, my mind's gone blank now um, uh, the, the the reason why the, yeah okay so the, the guys have kidnapped the president for a plan that doesn't matter the well, well, they their plan essentially is hold hold the president to ransom and try and get out essentially of New York. I mean, that's that's it. Yeah, yeah, but essentially, this is the guy that needs to rescue a damsel uh, from a place that's dangerous, and he does that. 
That, that's, <laughs> that's it. A Donald Pleasant Johnson. <laughs> well, you know, that's, a, that's essentially it. The, so I want to maybe go into a few of the little scenes um, that I thought were interesting, that I thought were funny. The scene where he's walking and the, the Moolacons, <laughs> the, the Morlocks come from the sewers. What did you call them in your, in your synopsis? Uh, I think they were called the sewer crazies. That scene is so bizarre because it kind of reminds it kind of reminded me of like cats, like Android Weber cats. Like they were just I it almost you could imagine have you ever seen The Wiz? The 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 Diana Ross musical The Wiz. With Michael Jackson? Yeah. Oh, bits of it, not the whole thing. <laughs> it kind of reminded me. I, I don't remember that film well enough to actually know if this was a specific scene, but just with the kind of the, the dark city and these kind of weird creatures. And it would have it wouldn't have in a different film they would have burst into song. <laughs> uh, maybe that's why it reminded me of cats. Just these kind of weird creatures coming out. And they totally ignored Snake and then he went into that kind of diner area and started chatting to the lady who I then was like, Oh, this is this is going to be the female lead but and they even nearly kiss and he's totally down for it and then they don't kiss and then these creatures just start attacking him. Yeah, that was one part which I thought was poorly done because um so Snake sees this guy and he's kinda of going around knocking on sewers and there's maybe the guy who's knocking on the sewers is like a lookout and then these people start coming out of the sewers and he realizes that they're these sewer crazy people who'll essentially just kill him if they find him. But then he's just kind of like walking alongside them and you know they're not bothered with him when they see him initially so i didn't think they were a threat i think and then suddenly they want to kill him and yeah so he's walking along he's looking at them he's like "Ooh, better get out of here but then they're just going to walk him past him going how's it going uh he goes into this cafe meets this girl and then i think there's a gunfire and then they start coming in and then they fall through the floor weirdly she basically says I don't need to worry about them as long as you're quiet. She literally says that. He even says, like, shush to her, and she says, no, you're fine. And she, you assume, has lived here for some time, so you would think she might be a bit more savvy. But turns out you do need to worry because they come through the floors to attack them. And why? Why are they attacking them? Are they trying to eat them? Well, they never really explain, do they? She says you just have to be quiet, but he's just been, like, walking among them five seconds ago and they just ignored him so they're going in the same direction like what are they I think they're just a sewer dwelling people who come out at night to look for food and maybe maybe they're cannibals who knows fight people and steal and whatever one line of exposition from her to say oh they're they eat you know lonely travellers or something or, or like they eat new recruits um, that's what they're looking for. Would have would have been helpful, but whatever. It doesn't really, like it doesn't it doesn't matter, Connor. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I think the film is kind of ripe with that ripe with that stuff where just a little bit of something would tell you a little bit something more. You might get to like the characters more. You might get a bit more um, context. You might get a bit more. You know, you might get engaged with the characters a bit more if they just said Snake. He was a war veteran. Went a bit rogue. Did a little, did a little something something, and then that was it. That'd be fine. If your one said, hey, they're sewer people, they're cannibals, that would be fine. But you get none of that, and it's just like, right, you're in New York, go and save the president, and uh, here's a few explosions, and bang, there you go. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, also, a lot of the actors in this movie are dead. 
Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I was just looking through the I was looking through the cast. I was looking through the cast and I was like, the Duke is dead, Donald Pleasance is dead, the cabbie guy is dead. Um nineteen eighty one, so what, 81, 2001. Yeah, thirty seven years ago. Yeah, a long time ago. The cabbie guy, guy is an Oscar winner. Yes, I know that. I was also just about to say that and you ruined my moment. Mm, sorry. Well, tell us about this film. It was nineteen fifty seven. And I can't remember the name. <laughs> That's all right. Um, I wanted to ask you, there's a, there's a, a, a trope, and actually, I wouldn't call it a trope. There's a aspect of this film that I personally quite enjoy, uh, it, where it's a film that was made in the or a book, it can be a book, or any sort of media that was made in the past, set in the future, that we have overtaken. And I always think that's really interesting. So, 1980, uh, 1984 uh, was another example. You got Jules Verne and stuff, and we've all overtaken them. And so this was what 19, this was what in 1980, what they thought. Well, I didn't think, but you know, there was a, you know, this was a fictional 1997, which is kind of exciting to think about. And I wonder, they never explain it, but I wonder in in story, <laughs> what happened to New York? I mean. <laughs> there were some pretty snazzy apartments in New York in the you know seventies. Uh, what, what's meant to have happened to these people? Were they just told you have to move out because your apartment is now a prison cell? Well, I suppose those people are grand with it because uh, you know crime was like so had increased so much they were just like right, I'm out of here. Fuck it. I mean, like New York is a pretty big, pretty big economic hub for. America. I mean, you could even argue it's the capital, one of the capitals. You know, I know it's not officially the capital from a government, uh, from a government point of view, but in, from a commercial point of view, New York is a very important city. So I know they have to use New York. I mean, you know, it, it's fine. It's just a science fiction thing. It's an island as well. But like, just, 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 it's fun to talk about. Like, I wonder in this in this story. I mean, you could imagine like a graphic novel going into the backstory you know what happened was there like explosions was the crime just so bad in new york they just one day they closed the doors and unless you had a a clean slate you could escape or home what happened i imagine what they did was the prisons around the country got overcrowded because there was such a rise in crime and so they said right everyone out of new york see manhattan everyone out go on all 10 million of you or whatever and then they took everybody from all the prisons around the country and plonked them on uh, Manhattan Island. Yeah, I, I was also kind of, when I was watching this at first, my initial reaction was like, I wonder, is it just male? And then when Snake goes into that Vaudevillian theatre, there's a drag show. So I was like, oh, it's, it's definitely all male. That's <laughs> They're so stuck for, for ladies that they've got a drag show. Um, but that's no, it's not. It's not. No, it's not. It's not. Not at all. And there's actually an uh, well, uh, there's there's this another thing I'll, I'll talk about later when we talk about the Bechdel test. Yeah, it's just it's an uh, I'd love you'd love to. It it is an it sets up a really interesting world, and you'd almost like to. It would make a good TV show actually. Just like what happens in New York on a day to day basis. Like where did these people get their food? You know what what is the day to day relations like that that girl who was in the diner? I would I imagine most women are extremely vulnerable in this city, and and I want to I want to talk a little bit about that later, about when we talk about the Bechdel test. Well, you know, is there a section where just the women keep each other safe? Is there a section where is there is there is there, was there weapons? Is there weapons like guns and stuff? Uh, yeah, because the Duke is shooting at the president. He's I think I feel like he's like the only one with a gun. 
Well, maybe. I think resources are limited because not a lot of them have cars because petrol is limited and um, Snake gets shot in the leg with an arrow, so maybe they kind of fashion yeah. these things. But, interestingly, what happens if one of the women gets pregnant? There was no children. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that This is I would make a really good like a comic series or something like ju- just literally the, the lives of these citizens in, <clears throat> in New York. Yeah, it would be cool. It'd be good. I think you're right. I think a TV series would be good because it lets you explore all these things. Of, you know, interesting concept, but not done probably justice in a 90-minute movie. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is Snake's movie. It's not New York's movie. But I, I, I even though I did like Snake, I I would watch that TV show. I think. I, I no, I think it would be better in a comic. Actually, I think it would be better in a graphic novel because it could be a bit darker. And I don't know if I want to follow one character. Like it would be more like little little. Little glimpses of different characters in in New York, like a bit like Sin City. And you could do that, like Game of Thrones. You got different characters; they're doing different things. You know, th- different things going on. Then they kind of intersect and stuff. I did think about the point that you made about it being sort of in the eighties, set in the ninety in ninety seven, and then we've overtaken it. I actually thought it was quite a good representation. Looking back now, I think it was quite good because I don't think the budget was particularly big. Um, but that has probably stood to its advantage in that regard because everything was kind of just as it is or as it was, you know, there, there was no lasers or, you know, photon torpedoes or anything like that. Um, it was just fairly... I don't know if it's fair to say that there was... There was. I think this had a fairly... Oh, well, let me just check the budget. I think this had a... For the time, I think this was pretty big. In fact, I think John Carpenter had such success with Halloween that this that the studio gave him a budget because you know we have to put this in context for 1980 i think this is a pretty high production film maybe i, d- I didn't think it came across but there you go i do think though back to the future did this and they went forward in time in back to the future 2 uh, to 2015 I think and in 2015 apparently we were f- all flying around in cars uh, in the skies and they had you know hoverboards and self-drying clothes and you know all this kind of cool stuff cybernetics you know Biff had cybernetic implants and all that kind of stuff so they went and it, of course it's totally wacky movies it's kind of you know different different in that regard but oftentimes when people look into the future like in star trek i always bring up star trek but i wonder in the 24th century will we all be flying around in these big spaceships you know flying to different planets and all the rest i don't know well this was quite a modern like this was made in 1981 it was set in 1997 so it wasn't going like crazy crazy far into the future though i suppose you could say the same for back to the future but that film was about time travel so you know it the onus on it was to be creative from that aspect um and wacky and comedic yeah, and it stuff was, it was a comedy really i mean it was an action comedy and um, the budget for this was six million. Oh, that's decent yeah i think i mean for nowadays that would be that would be like a little independent film but from back then i think it was decent what did you think of the soundtrack actually um, I thought the sound it was a lot of non-distinct yeah non-distinct non-recognisable 80s uh, synth music I thought it was amazing I thought the soundtrack was uh, alongside the production was the best thing about this film I thought the soundtrack was incredible I wouldn't go and say incredible I thought it was 
fine it was kind of uh you know you know those little midi files you made you, you made back in the 90s on your computers like or you get them sometimes online and it'll be you know it was just kind of there to complement the scene to a certain degree i wouldn't even call it a soundtrack almost i would just say it was scene music it was absolutely a soundtrack and the soundtrack was an album that did quite well so yeah, it was well people are morons <laughs> no, it was, I, no i totally disagree i thought the soundtrack was fantastic john carpenter uh, he's he's a, I, I like him a lot actually I, I i haven't i wouldn't be i wouldn't have i wouldn't be like a massive fan i wouldn't have seen all his films but just scanning through his repertoire he has some pretty pretty great films halloween this is a big one um he has the thing which is also that's Kurt Russell. That's Kurt Russell. The thing is Kurt Russell, isn't it? Oh yeah, I think you're right. And the fog as well, which uh, is Jamie Lee Curtis. There you go. I knew I was right when I said he was loyal with his actors. I think John Carpenter is fairly hit and miss. He has like the Ghosts of Mars, was it? Which was really bad. I've never seen that. He had Vampires, which was wasn't great. I think he didn't. He didn't. He when he. He was in his heyday in the seventies and eighties, and that, and those films were were wonderful, and very of their time, and he wasn't really able to successfully bring those films into the modern era. I, because he hasn't really, he hasn't had a, a hit, like a big film in a long time. Yeah, I don't think as technology and film progressed and got more sophisticated, that he moved along with that. I think he kind of stuck with sort of cheapy kind of special effects and, you know, he has a formula, I think, and he kind of stuck to the formula. Also, I'm not entirely sure why it always says John Carpenter's Escape from New York, John Carpenter's Halloween, John Carpenter's Ghosts of Mars. He's a bit egotistical like that. Does it definitely say that? It always says that at the start of his movies, yeah. Yeah, would it not say that with... Yeah, okay. I didn't know. I didn't notice that. Like it's not directed by John Carpenter. It's John Carpenter's this movie. Yeah, I don't know. I guess he was a big name at the time. I mean, would you see Tarantino? Would you see Spielberg? You probably wouldn't actually, would you? Well, I wouldn't say Steven Spielberg's Jurassic Park. No. It would say Jurassic Park and then it would say directed by Steven Spielberg or something. I don't know. Yeah, maybe John John has a an ego. I think Potentially, he writes a lot of his own stuff, maybe, and that's why you know it, it, it's written by and directed by him. So maybe that's why. I think. Yeah, you're right. He did write it, and and he did the soundtrack. He created the music for it, which is fantastic. <laughs> well, I mean, that's pretty impressive to direct it, to write it, and to create the soundtrack. That's that's a talented man. Like the films he creates are B movies. This is the definition of a B movie. But for me, this is a really entertaining B movie. And do you know what? What I really liked about this film, it's just over ninety minutes long. It's ninety nine minutes long, and I think that's wonderful. It is if you enjoy what you're watching. <clears throat> Otherwise, it's a bit of a slog. Um, I actually thought I I was ready for it to end when it ended. I I I was. It was late. I was tired. I wasn't particularly enjoying it. I was kind of like, why did I, why did I uh, make us watch this movie? And uh, yeah, no, I was ready, ready for a tent. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought it was fun. I thought I really enjoyed it. I just before we wrap up, because uh, I want to talk a little bit about 
the, the one kind of well, one weakness. I mean, it's not a it's not a spectacular film, but one of the weaknesses it does have is it's there's three female characters, right, in this film. They all die. <laughs> Only one of them has a name, and they never meet each other. So it fails the Bechdel test, first of all. Um, and then there, our hero is Snake. Now I know he's an anti-hero. I know he's an anti-hero. We're not meant to think, oh, he's a swell guy. But when he's looking for the president, he, he there's a scene that does not need to be there, where he he literally sees a woman being being gang raped, in what if in, in a film that has been violent to kind of a kind of a, a jo- I mean, there's a scene where he shoots someone's hand and it explodes like paper mache. I mean, it's it's so un- it's it's almost comical. And then there's this scene of a woman and her top is ripped off her and she's been she's passed out and she's been passed. I didn't I didn't think that was necessary. It wasn't that I can understand in a city like this that's the type of thing. Yeah, it's a horrible city. Maybe this is what it wanted to explore. But it's it it was it was more it it was a comical film, not comical, but it 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 didn't go into those kind of dark dark depths. And it didn't want to. It didn't kind of have anything to say. It didn't have any reflection on the society of the city from that point of view. And then Snake did nothing. He just saw it and went on. And I know he had other things to do, but that just left a bad taste in my mouth. That's right. When he first arrives, isn't it? Yeah, it's in the pavilion. The pavilion theater. He goes downstairs. He's, he. It's when he's tracking the president, and then he finds the wristband on, like a crazy man. It's just before he finds the crazy man. Yeah, um, I I think it was just to show the type of scumbaggery that he's around because up until that point, I mean, he's just arrived and they're trying to set a scene and he's just gone into the Vaudevillian uh, <laughs> theatre with people who are having a laugh and just doing drag and stuff and maybe it looks all fine. And then there's, he's, you know, they're, they're showing... The, the other elements, the undercurrent, you know. Yeah, they're just trying to set the scene of, of the type of people that he's, he's around and trying to put him in a bit of danger and in a bit of, create a bit of suspense, I suppose. I mean, it's not exploring it. It's not looking into a social commentary on it or anything like that. It's just, this is the type of shit that goes on here. So it's not a very pleasant place. Now let's move on. Yeah, I, I I just thought it was unnecessary, and it was it, yeah, I didn't like it, and I didn't I, I thought even if they had had Snake react in some sort of violent way or disgust way or frightened way, it, 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 yeah, I didn't like that scene. I think they could have had him intervene maybe, and then you know save the woman, but I think that would have been out of character for the type of character they were trying to create because he's not a nice guy he's not a good guy necessarily he's a guy that's clearly pissed off with the world and how it's become um he's a war veteran maybe he's like this isn't the world that i fought for and i think he just realizes you know i just i'm just here to do a job and get out and i you know this stuff is probably happening ten thousand times around this hell hole all the time i i can't do anything there's like five of them and there's one of me you know what am i meant to do but i don't think he's probably he's not surprised with that because i think there is an element to snake which kind of uh, expects people to be assholes essentially and expect people yeah. to be not very pleasant <clears throat> so he's uh he's not surprised by it and he just moves on yeah okay fair enough uh the i think that's pretty much all my notes like i said it's not a particularly deep film um, I, I, I suppose you could mention maybe that uh, 
I think the only person of color in it is <laughs> is the Duke. <laughs> and I I thought his car was awesome, by the way, with the chandeliers. Yeah, I did. I I quite I quite enjoyed the chandeliers in the car. I have to say. <laughs> When I, uh, initially when I saw that, that the Duke was a, a black car, a black man I thought oh god are they going to have this like horrible point of view where like it's a black you know all the bad guys are all black guys that, that snake ends up killing a hoe but actually I think he's the like everyone in his gang is white he's literally the only black person so <laughs> am I like glad that <laughs> his gang isn't all black or am I like oh okay well isn't that cool that a black man is the leader even if he's the only representation of anyone uh, of colour I don't know, whatever way, whatever way you want to look at it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, He's, if you're making a commentary on like the un- unfair justice system in America, I mean, it's crazy. There's only one person of color. Yeah, there's only one person of color. And then you kind of say, but you know, he's got power in the context that he's working in uh, over all these white people. But then you realize it's power in the context of being a gang, a gang leader, a horrible person. <laughs> Yeah, and also he has, like you said earlier on, he is like he is a, a puppet. He has, he is literally just a computer, a boss character that has n- nothing of substance to him. He has no lines that are cool. He's 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 nothing. Ah, computer boss characters can be pretty good, like Doctor Robotnik and Sonic. Yeah, you're right. He's that's actually not worthy of him. He has nothing to give the film. No, he's very bland. What did you think of the wrestling scene? I quite enjoyed that. Yeah, there's something funny about that. This is something you you would not see nowadays. And it was kind of a thing you would have seen in the 70s and 80s where your your main guy is... I mean, even Kurt Russell's not that, like, built. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger was kind of the first super muscly guy now. Like, pretty much now, if you want to be in the Avengers, you need to be, you know, super, super abbed and ripped, right? But... Kurt Russell was like, like he had a, you know perfectly fine physique, but he has a shirt off and he he looks like he looks good, but he he looks ordinary like an ordinary fit guy in his twenties or thirties, and then he's pit and he and he's pitted against this huge man, but the man he's pitted against isn't really a built man either. He's just this big kind of like Haystack, you know the wrestler. What was his name, Haystack? And that was something you saw in Indiana Jones. You saw in uh, the James Bond films. Like the hero was pitted against this huge man, but the man was wasn't like a big muscle Mary. As the second time I've used that phrase, he was just like a big man. Yeah, uh, wrestlers back in the day they weren't big, muscly, you know, athletic people. They were big. They were just enormous people. They were big and fat and burly and just huge, larger than life characters, like giant haystacks, like Big Daddy. Um, as wrestling has progressed throughout the years, uh, WWE particularly, you've got kind of, you still have those guys to a certain extent, but you've got a lot more people who are who are very much more athletic now, who are very much. Uh, built and ripped and have the six pack and the abs and the you know the the pecs and the big biceps and all that kind of stuff but you also have then uh smaller guys who are more um sort of gymnastics and flippy and you know they they are more athletic i suppose but i suppose it's just it's it's more just about the size like this guy kurt russell is you know just average joe and this guy is pretty enormous and big and 
you know, it's, it's just intimidating. I thought that was the most fun scene. I really enjoyed that scene. Um, and I liked everybody standing around cheering. Kind of brought me back to my WWE watching days back when I was a young one. Like everything in this film, it was it was entertaining and fluffy. Yeah, enjoy. Yeah, well, I didn't enjoy the movie as a whole, but I thought I enjoyed that part. Well, okay. Um, you, do you want to see if we find a place for it on our list? Okay, so what's on our big long list at the moment? Well, okay, I think it's fair to say we both agree it's not as good as Donnie or Harold Amad. Agreed. Personally, I could argue that this is better than Flatliners. Um, I think Flatliners had more to say. What does Flatliners have to say? Touche. <laughs> Um, I thought Flatliners had more developed characters. I thought they had uh, an interesting, well, a more interesting concept, different concept. I thought the acting was better in, in Flatliners. There wasn't a lot of green, so maybe that's why you <laughs> prefer uh, Escape from New York. I thought the uh, the cinematography was probably better. I thought they had that more gothic kind of horror kind of feel. I thought, I, I disagree there. I think I agree that the performances were stronger in Flatliners and the characters were certainly more two-dimensional three-dimensional <laughs> in terms of a better looking film I thought this was a much better looking film much better looking um, what about the, the the score then I thought the score in as I said I thought the score in Escape from New York was more just filler I thought the uh, score in Flatliners was better used I thought I thought it set uh, a much more nuanced tone about the film. Right, okay, if there was two things that I would be absolutely certain that this was better than Flatliners, it would be the score. The score for flat, uh, the music in Flatliners was the worst '80s with that kind of horrible sax coming in. It was corny, and then there was this overly dramatic kind of uh, organ music. Well, the the synth and the 80s style music for this was so much more in tone so i thought the soundtrack for this no no nobody bought the soundtrack for fucking flatliners this the soundtrack for this actually was an album that sold well so sorry connor <laughs> i don't agree with you there this, whatever but anything else the soundtrack for this was like immensely better okay so we've got I don't know where does that put us. I don't know. I think I I would probably go Flatliners ahead of uh, this. Uh, you would probably go Escape from New York ahead of Flatliners. I I my I think I'm fighting for this because I I found this more enjoyable, and I think you know that's important. You know that's why Hocus Pocus is your favorite film above Citizen Kane. But if you give me a compelling argument, I would. Be, that isn't about the music because <laughs> I think the music is is super, super, way superior in this I can see why Flatliners might be a better film why do I have to put a compelling argument to you why don't you have to put one to me well because I think it's uh, I think this is better than Flatliners but if you think Flatliners is better <laughs> I think this it's not that I think it's better I'm kind of on the fence is what I'm saying I'm on the fence so if you have a reason why you think Flatliners is better tell me what it is 
And I, t- I think the acting was better. I thought the direction style was better. I thought the... Well, I told you, I said the characters are more developed. They, they are more interesting characters with greater arcs, with greater storylines, with history and a purpose and uh, a development of... Yeah, they have they have an arc. They have they have a background, a where they currently are, and they get to a certain place. None of that happens in uh, Escape from New York. They he just goes in and blows up a load of shit and gets the president. That's about it. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> he gets to New York and then he leaves New York. He totally moves. <laughs> okay, no, you okay, okay. That's yeah. I think I think I think you're right. I think this is number four on our list. I can understand why you would probably enjoy this movie more. Um, I didn't personally, but I can understand why somebody would because it is more fast-paced, octane, uh, movie with more explosions and and green lighting. So I can understand that, but I think looking at it from a an academic point of view, I think Flatliners was better. Okay, so we're putting this four on our list straight to the bottom. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. See you later. Escape from New York. Nice knowing you. I'm sorry I inflicted it on people if they've watched along. Um, I think it's interesting that um, my two films are one and two and yours are three and four. Okay, so this is the first time in a year and a half that we've got to pick a new theme. Feels like we've been on cult movies for our entire lives. But it is time, ladies and gentlemen. Hold on. Well, well the coin let's discuss what we're flipping <laughs> well i'm just about to say that no i'm just saying we're flipping for our next and second genre slash theme okay you go first okay i had about five minutes to think about this before we recorded this because i forgot i had to do this so i'm going to go for disney movies because i love disney okay yeah okay and I like saying it like that. So, so and I'm singing it. So if you're first... Are we going cartoons or just Disney? Um, Ooh, there's a lot of shit if we don't go for just the cartoons. <laughs> uh, why don't you just say Disney? Okay. And Disney. Um, okay, yeah, that's good. Okay, I think that's going to be good. Uh, mine isn't a million miles away, actually. See, I said this before, Paul. I said this before we started, and you were like, "No, it's not. That's not gonna happen. That's not gonna happen. That's that's ridiculous." What did I say wasn't gonna happen? That we would both pick similar themes. It's not similar. It's just like not a million miles away. Okay, okay. Uh, Warner Brothers. No, I'm. Uh, I'm gonna go for musicals. Oh, okay, okay. I can get on board with that. No, but before, sorry, before we get before we just go into our genres. Uh, if if you win the coin toss, what's our first Disney film? Um, I should have thought about this more <laughs> carefully. Damn. Okay, you 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 take that question, and then I'll just think of something really right, quick. Right. Yeah. You can tell. Like I've had mine for weeks, and I have like eight backups. And I was like, "What will I do? What will I do? What will I do? Oh, I can't wait to tell it." Uh, yeah. Okay. I I'm going for musicals, and uh, I'm going to go for Oliver. The musical Oliver, uh, which I was listening to the soundtrack to a few weeks ago, I loved this as a child. I I think my mother, my mother was very good actually when I was a kid. She would often rent films that she thought I would like, and she was always right. She rented Oliver, and I did love it. But I tried to watch Oliver about 
five or maybe even six years ago uh when i lived in glasgow just tried to i said oh, i haven't seen that film since i was a child and i watched the first 10 minutes and i had to t- t- i just couldn't i couldn't watch it anymore i thought it was so bad so i'm really curious to see like was it just m- me being impatient did i need to get through it so i want that's why i picked oliver so i know the songs are great oh that's really interesting i've watched it i watched it well it's a good few years ago at this stage but i really enjoyed it um we did this in school actually um well i wasn't involved in it but the school did it while i was there and yeah it's a good choice i like it actually uh friend neil shout out to neil played uh bill sykes and was there anybody else in it that i knew that's probably what I can't remember at this stage. <laughs> this is great for our international listeners. <laughs> Neil, and then it's Tom, and then it's, it's the Sarah. <laughs> whatever, whatever. Well, pick a Disney film. Oh, right, okay. I'm going to go in honor of the new live-action version. I'm going to go for Aladdin. The 90s Aladdin? The cartoon Aladdin. Okay, great. So that if, we, if you win the coin toss, that will be your Disney Renaissance one, because we wouldn't go with another 90s one. Are you happy with that? Ooh, I've snookered myself now. Um, oh, because I wanted to watch The Lion King as well. Well, pick one. All right. Oh, no, it's too hard. You pick. I would rather see The Lion King. Or, sorry, Aladdin. Actually, yeah, I've seen The Lion King more frequently and more recently, so Aladdin. Yeah, we're going for Aladdin. Also, I have that on DVD, so we could just stick it out. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> um that being said i could probably just record the lion king episode like in five minutes i wouldn't have to even watch it i think to a certain extent the same thing could be said for aladdin i think our generation any 90s disney movies we could probably just do right now yeah that's fair but that that, that's we were actually only you and i were listening to aladdin in the car the other day so where did you think i got that from (laughs) Um, okay so oliver or aladdin both musicals both about orphan boys with no one to love oh this is not just a toss for the genre or for the movie this is a toss for the genre for the next four weeks possibly the next two years connor possibly the next two years okay are we ready oh no we haven't we haven't we haven't called it yet (laughs) no we haven't called it i'm heads no i'm tails i'm tails okay i'm heads Uh, i've been heads every time and i've lost Yay! Tails. You were tails, were you? Yes. Oh, well done. Okay, fair enough. Well, I am happy with musicals. Disney and musicals. Hmm. I wonder what sexuality these guys are. This is going to be a bit gayer than cult. <laughs> we're like, fuck these cult shit. We want Disney and we want musicals. We want Nancy. <laughs> My next genre is going to be Disney still. Bye, this wonderful feeling. Mm. And then our next genre is going to be all girl movies, right? Okay, okay so that's fun. Yeah, Oliver. I mean, well, you know, we'll probably record these way quicker because we won't be like, oh, fucking hell, I have to watch that shit game. That shit. <laughs> Flatliners shite. Okay, so that's it. Next time we're moving on to musicals and it's Oliver. And then we will have another two musicals which we'll flip a coin for. And what 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 decade? Oliver's in the 60s. I think 1967. So we'll have plenty of options. All right. And it'll be it. I think we should try and keep them like, mm, should we try and keep them? um, Should we try and keep them maybe not 
not a lot, not a lot of Andrew Lloyd Webber and stuff, you know, kind of mix it up a bit. Well, I mean, I'm probably going to mix it up, but you can choose whatever you want, Connor. Oh, thank you. All right. Well, Andrew Lloyd Webber hasn't got a great reputation with musical films, though. Like, it's Evita and fans of the opera, and I'm not going to pick either of them. <laughs> I think there's a, a recording of Cats uh, on stage, which he released. That's not a film. No. I'm definitely not picking that and I hope you don't <laughs> oh, Mr. Mistopheles love that song you know there there is a Cats film in the making with Ian McKellen and Judy Dench a, f- a proper like studio film oh I did hear that I think yeah that's a bit odd isn't it I don't know the musical well <laughs> enough so I can't say but I I think that sounds bizarre yeah I can't like are they gonna wear the is it gonna be CGI like li- the new Lion King is it no, hardly is it gonna be the costumes that don't like on stage I can imagine that, that that I've never seen it but that seems fine on stage but like Ian McKellen a big onesie <laughs> no I might uh, well I don't know but maybe it'll be like the new Lion King where it'll be their voices but not them acting <laughs> so are we gonna see like a CGI cat it's Ian McKellen and it's Judy Dench I mean it's not as if they can go down on all fours and start crawling around the place oh, no, but like, is it going to be like a CGI cat, like in the cat, Halle Berry Catwoman film, with that CGI cat singing like "Memory"? Like, that sounds awful. What? Well, maybe it'll be a cat CGI'd with their face. <laughs> <laughs> That's even worse. I, yeah. Okay. But but the good news is we won't be doing cats. Okay, we're not doing that. Um, okay. So next week it's Oliver onto Musical Week, and that's about it. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. See you later.